Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. Today on the show, Adam Gilchrist, Australian cricketer and commentator, playing 190 first-class matches, 96 tests and 287 one-day internationals. He redefined the role of the wicketkeeper batsman, scoring more than 5,000 test runs at 47.60, including 17 test hundreds and 16 one-day hundreds. Off the field, he's tuned his hand to commentary, works with World Vision and is the chair of the National Australia Day Council. He's a father of four and absolutely loves his red plonk. And Simon Cook, a Victorian, New South Wales and Australian cricketer, playing 32 first-class matches and two tests for Australia. His best bowling figures of 5 for 39 against New Zealand at the Wacker was an outstanding performance. Off the field, he's the most laid-back electrician ever to walk the face of this earth. He loves his travel, whiskey and even grows his own red plonk in his vineyard in the Mornington Peninsula. Let's get started. Welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Adam Gilchrist, an Australian cricketer, commentator. Welcome, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice intro, mate. Uh, was was chair of the NADC, but uh, yeah, I've, I got pushed on. But um, no, yeah, great, great to see you. Mate, likewise, mate. Up. And Simon Cook, uh, a Victorian New South Wales and Australian cricketer, fast bowler, playing 32 first-class matches, including two tests for Australia. <laughs> Welcome, Cookie. Shane, great to be here, mate. So I want to... Um, I want to start with, um, so you two have known each other for, since I think under 19s you toured the UK together, yeah. We did. Yep, 1991 we uh, toured, well UK and a bit of Europe as well, <laughs> which was probably the more uh, entertaining component of that story. But Netherlands, Denmark, Thailand, I don't know what's going on there. but Cricket's <laughs> bigger Thailand. Well, Denmark and Holland in Sandwich the England component, and then yeah, stopovers in Thailand on the way back. But uh, Jesus, we don't want to get bogged down in those stories too long, do we? <laughs> no. And, and Cookie, you, you had the, probably the longest run up I reckon I've ever seen for, from a fast bowler. You'd run from about was it twenty six metres? Oh, lost count a couple of times, but yeah, somewhere around the ring. And then yeah. you'd, you'd follow through right through to the to the batsman, yeah. and then you'd slowly turn around and walk your way back. <laughs> yeah, modern day overrates. I reckon he's responsible. With, he was the first to start this whole group. But I, yeah, the long run up. That's what I remember. Way back at even under 19s, um, Fuggy, and uh, at the top of the mark too, the big. Sort of arm, goose step, leg pump to get going and get the. Can't work out. Got stretch fracture. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we will talk about your injury soon, Cookie. But um, I was going to say, Gilly, uh, look at your resume. Amazing what you've done, both on and off the field. It's a long way from Lismore. I think we first met when we were like 13 or 14. But uh, you must be really proud of what you've achieved so far. Yeah. Uh, well, for sure. I suppose to to think of the journey and. It's nice to reflect on the origins, isn't it? Just to know, and that's always part of the fun of the whole journey, is meeting each other, meeting new teammates or post-cricket, different people, and just learning where they came from, and, and it makes you reflect on and where you started, and unbelievable uh, memories to, to regional New South Wales, bouncing around, and uh, we moved around. My old man, both parents were teachers, and um, so we moved around a fair bit, but so basically, Southern River, Southern Riverina was my primary school years, and then uh, all my high school years up on the north coast of New South Wales. So, yeah, getting involved in sport at all 
opportunities and, and that's what sort of kick-started great, it. Great upbringing, yeah. And, and what you both have in common, like you both had to leave your traditional states. Yeah. Gilly started even New South Wales, went to WA. Cookie started in Victoria, Mornington Peninsula, to be, well, and Peninsula, then moved to yeah. New South Wales. So, uh, uh, three years with the Vicks and then um, there was obviously a glad of bowlers there at the time, Merv Hughes and uh, Paul Rifle and Tony Dodamode and Flemo. Um, then a couple of young quicks, you know, myself and Brad Williams at the time. So um, New South Wales sort of threw out a, an opportunity, which um, which I'm grateful and uh, and here I, and up north I went. Yeah, and, and Gilly, when, when you first moved to to Western Australia, it was a big move. Phil Emery was the incumbent weekkeeper here in New South Wales. Yeah, yeah, in New South Wales, and um, and then you went all the way over to Perth. Yep. you took the place of Tim Zura. Yep. and you actually booed for the quite a first, first few first games, weren't got, you? Got hammered, absolutely hammered <laughs> by the local crowd. I went over what there. What was that like? Um, well, little did I know, it was probably helping me out for. That time a few years down the track when right. I replaced Ian Healy at the Gabba. <laughs> so it probably <laughs> prepped me up beautifully. But uh, yeah, look, parochial crowd over in the West. I went over there without any guarantees from the selectors. But um, as you say, Phil Emery here, New South Wales. I wanted to wicket keep. He was captain when the big boys were away and, well, probably captain all the time, wasn't he? But winning shields, we, you know, you were playing, mate, you know, exactly what it was like. And, um, you never think. I don't know what you felt, Cookie, but I, I never thought I would leave my home state. You didn't. You don't grow up. It's not on the radar, is it? It's, yeah, it's not even a consideration. You're just desperate to try and give it a crack there. And I had those. I had ten games over those two years. You know, so when the when the Aussie boys were back, we were out. And when they went away again, you get another game. But but then. You know, yourself and a couple of other players started staying in the team when those guys came back, and I, I didn't nail down my opportunity to force my hand, but I really wanted to wicket keep. So I, I looked over there when they um, inquired, and I remember how many people said, oh, what will you do, go for the cricket season then move back for winter? And I just didn't even fathom that. I thought, if you're going, you go wholeheartedly. You commit. And, and that, if nothing else, sends a message to where you're going that you're committing to them. And so I got over there and Tim Zura, they decided to, to end his career straight away, the selectors. I didn't know there'd been a fair bit of argy-bargy going on and he'd threatened to res- retire a number of times. And anyway, they gave me a go and I got cream because he was a crowd favourite. <laughs> like, they hated, they hated, the crowd in Perth hated Ian Healy because he was keeping Tim Zura out of the Australian spot. So then when I dislodged him at state level, geez, I, the classic was, real quickly, getting into a car, a cab, because a mate of mine, a bloke called Andrew Wilson, real good mate of mine, he decided, yeah, I was living with him at the time, and he moved over with me when I went because his job finished up and he had nothing to do. And I went, oh, I might come. And I went, okay, cool. that's cool. Companion, yeah. get over there. So we'd go, and I get picked. We'd go out for, for a night out, jump into a taxi, and he'd get in the front, I'd be in the back, and he'd say to the uh, cabbie, what do you reckon this Gilchrist bloke? <laughs> and, yeah, I was un- yeah. totally unrecognisable. I hadn't even, but they would rip me a new one. And he'd be in the front laughing, stoking it. Oh, yeah, he's a bit of a wanker. He's a bit of an upset. But anyway, all I could do was try and earn their respect. And you did that, mate. 27 years really. later, I'm still there. It happened to me when I, I replaced Tom Moody and played in Perth. Oh. It's got the same reception. Yeah, yeah they cream, they, they yeah. big time, yeah. But yeah. Um, they, they soon turn around. And, Cookie, we'll talk about your test of You replaced Glenn McGrath over there in Perth. And I, I was talking to Dave Townsend at your 50th birthday of the night. So, happy birthday, mate. 50. Yeah. Yes. And um, and he was saying that uh, after your test match, you took seven wickets, five for 39 on Dubu. Um, he interviewed you in front of a, a crowd of about 500 people. And he said, so, Simon, what was it like? 
like. There's a bit of um, bit, bit of argy bargy between you and Adam Perore. Maybe tell the crowd here what it was like, and you go, uh, mate, what goes in the field stays in the field. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, oh, no, can't. Thomas, I'm just 500 people here. And think, maybe give him a little bit of insight. You know, Australia versus New Zealand, what was it like? No, nah, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> and he reckons that Noel, Noel Crusher Cleal came on to the stage straight after that, and he goes, fuck me, if we're ever going to rob a bank, I'll rob it with cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, what happened between you and Adam Perore? Can you tell us now? <laughs> yeah, under the seven year rule, like tax, you can reveal everything. Ah, oh, mate, what happens to the field stays? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it was actually a funny evening that with tennis, but uh, I'm not sure there was 500 people there. It might have been about 15. Or <laughs> but, mate, that, that must have been an amazing thing. It was um, you, you make your way up from, from Victoria, New South Wales, all of a sudden, McGrath gets an injury, the, the guy who's been head of our bowling attack for years, and you're thrust in to take the new ball. Um, Tell, tell me through it. Was it a great feeling? And oh, it's just, was it everything you thought of? It's pretty much what you play for, isn't it? You know, as a yeah. young bloke, you sort of dream of uh, having that opportunity. And um, obviously, come to New South Wales to try and uh, and forge that that chance. And mm. uh, I had a pretty good few you know few games lead up to that situation where Glenn got injured. So uh, I got the nod, which was uh, which was great. And just talking about our parochial, the, the Wackers are, because that particular team, there was no Wackers in the actual Australian team. So oh, right. all the Aussie boys are telling me, you had to cop it down at five. <laughs> <laughs> did you cop it? And I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, um, oh, it, was a pretty, it was a special moment. You know, um, you know obviously, uh, Tubby was captain and you had the, both the War Brothers and Warney you know, in the team, uh, Ricky Ponning, Greg Bullitt. Matthew Elliott, you know, Michael Kasovich, uh, Paul Rifle, you know, so wow. uh, it was a special team and uh, I was privileged to be a part of it. Yeah, good. And I uh, had a bit of success as well, so um, mm. which uh, made it all even better. You sure did, mate. The big goose step at the start. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'll talk about another West Australian gilly, um, Justin Langer, who's copping a bit of heat at the moment. I know yeah. you're good mates with him. Um, my, my mail is, and like, you don't have, don't have to comment on this, but my mail is that the, the players themselves don't really like his style. It's been sort of well documented. Do you think he should continue? Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've tried to put myself in his situation yeah. like, and, and wondered what you would do, how you would front up. If, if that's correct, yeah. I, I can only assume that that's not the direct feedback he's getting individually. I, I don't know. I'm speculating, but it'd be hard to rock up to work, wouldn't it, if you haven't if you've got any insecurities about whether everyone's with you or, or even wants you there. So it'll be interesting to see when it, you know, how it plays out, whether they offer him anything, what it is they offer if they do, and whether he takes it. Because uh, I'm hearing, I'm hearing rumours whether they're true or not, but it's a pretty good source that in some situations where the players won't even let him talk anymore, and it's like I'm thinking, like, like, like the lunatics are around the asylum now. Well, <laughs> players. What I, what I, what I will say is, that, look, I, I don't know, I don't, I do not know what's truth. What I'm reading is accurate or not, or yep. whatever. It's hard to tell, but. What I did, we were um, discussing this during the summer where it, it was front of mind again and someone had written an article or something. And I was talking on air with uh, Warney and Michael Vaughan. Yep. And, and an image came up on the, on the screen of, of JL laughing and just, you know, they had vision of him out in warm-ups or whatever and he was chuckling at a smiling face and, and I was talking over the top of these pictures and I said, and guys, part of this uh, situation, rumour has it or word has it, there's not enough of that, you know, and yep. referring to Justin Smiley, I said, he's apparently, word is, the players find him too intense, there's not enough laughter and not smiling <laughs> yep. enough and not, he's just too, too heavy. And I thought Michael Vaughan started up 
the conversation beautifully. He said, he responded with that. He said, well, when Justin came in, yeah. Australian cricket couldn't afford to smile. No, rather than these. They're absolutely. Yeah. And yep. so, you know, where, where do you go when you yep. get a bloke to come in to tidy the whole thing up? And he did it so well. So, but, you know, current players might sit here and go, oh, what about this, 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 and this? You don't know. So we don't know. We don't know. We're outsiders, so all we can do is support. The, you yeah. know, he's a great mate of mine. I'll support him, no doubt about that. And there's been a lot of support around for him. And again, a great cricketer, and he deserved to be the Hall of Fame too, that's for yeah. sure. We might just take a little break here. And once again, we're at my favourite place in town, District Brasserie, and we've been hosted by Sam again, who's an amazing man. We have got some fantastic food to order here today. We're going to start with a bit of a seafood bonanza, some ceviche, um, some oysters from Marimbula, uh, and a Jasper coal-fired octopus to start with. And for a main, I think we're going to share the hanger steak. Um, it's a tashima uh, from Andrew's Meats. Uh, Peter Andrew's there. Fantastic, great cut of meat, this. Um, with some chips, salad. Uh, of course, a little bit of red wine and uh, O'Brien's beer to wash it all down with. Beautiful. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Now, there's nothing like a healthy head of hair. Shane, when I first met you, those blonde flowing locks, well, they had a life of their own. Yes, Timmy. As they say, look after your hair and everything else will take care of itself. Now, I've got something for you too, Timmy, even with that silver fox look. It's called Main Hair Care. Oh, Main Hair Care. I know it. I absolutely love it. Yes, mate. Specialised men's hair care, targeting scalp conditions to stimulate scalp and over time improve growth. Oh, it's a fantastic product. It really is. I also note that it's all Australian, fully organic ingredients, Shane. Yep. Not only will you look good, but the scent is just wonderful. Main Hair Care. I'm going to get it on today. And that's spelled M-A-N-E, mainhaircare.com. Pat Cummins, I want to ask you both about that. Um, and I think you've done, done a fantastic job. But as a fast bowler, Cookie, like it must be tough to be to imagine captaining as well. Um, I don't think it really matters whether you're a batsman or. Or, or did you want to be captain? Oh, I would love to. <laughs> no, I wanted me to be captain. I would. I'm just thinking now about the uh, the team pep talk from the from the big slide dog before you're heading out straight to the point. Just <laughs> <laughs> so remember, boys, what goes in the field stays in the field. <laughs> <laughs> Field position, scatter. <laughs> scatter, yeah. Well, wasn't the famous uh, Rodney Holgate when a kid asked him how to bowl an outswing? He said, put your two fingers behind the ball down the seam. If it does something, whoopee fucking whoop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, I don't think it does matters. I think um, the, the main thing is you've got leadership qualities. And, and yeah. uh, so whether you're a batsman or bowler, you know, you'll do things accordingly. And I think uh, Pat, as a young bloke coming through the ranks, you know, showed those things as you know, early doors yeah. and uh, carried it through. And, I think um, obviously he had a lot of injuries as a young guy, and, and now he's at a stage where he's in control of his body, and he's you know he's obviously his skills are 
exceptional. That that you, your point about his injuries, uh, Cook is amazing. I mean, you blokes know as as bowlers or all all around bowling and batting all around and bowler, but. Oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah, yeah. such and uh, top score of seven in Test cricket, was it? Or oh, five? I can't remember. Not out, I think. But, uh, yeah, I think it was on the leg side too. Uh, <laughs> uh, that for Pat to stick at it for six years, pretty much in the wilderness, wasn't he? Yeah. Every time he tried to come back, it fell apart again. Or whatever. That is extraordinary. Like, where he's at now, but. but he just seems to have brought a real sense of fun as a leader, hasn't he? Exactly. He's yeah. a, there's a strong sense of leadership there too, and he really mm. not, wants to know where he's going. Um, but you should see, like you talk about the Langer thing, it might be a good time for him to, 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 to pull stumps because you know, they're about to go to the subcontinent. Yeah, Pat, Pat Cummins, the fast bowler, your captain, you're going to be in the field for two days in a row. It's going to be a yeah. very, very different team and performance oh, yeah. when they get back from there. Yep. Yeah. yeah, well, Pat, I think he would be the first to say wasn't really challenged a huge amount as far as being captain. He had to do the bowling and, and execute it brilliantly, but tactically wasn't really challenged, was he? Probably not. Not no, yet, and he will do. Yeah, over, oh, you would think that would happen over in, in the subcontinent, but, but the actual bowling group as a whole, you know, like they didn't give England much chance. Yeah. They bowled well, didn't they? Yeah. Set, you know, yeah. so um, it's a fair start. You know, if you got off a full zip, in yeah. the first series, you'd Ooh. probably take it, I would have thought. Nine down in the last one. Yeah. <laughs> Cookie, I remember doing, um, we were invited to the MCG for Boxing Day many years ago. And we, I think you still had the Kingswood then, the, uh, with the bench seats and the three in the tree. Three in the tree. Yeah, three in the tree. And we, and we pulled up and we were going to be guest speakers. And uh, we put up the, at the box at the front of the MCG and you said to the guy, uh, we're here to talk the talk. And the guy said, what do you mean? And he said, oh, we're here to do, talk the talk. And I yelled out from the back, we're guest speakers. He goes, I'll go on through, boys. <laughs> They're going to enjoy that, aren't they? But, um, but, but, but we've, had some, we've had some great times with you. But I want to ask you this question, Cookie, because what many, many people don't know, after that test match that you played, you're an electrician by trade, and um, you're working for South Sydney Council, and you're driving a steamroller up onto the back of a truck. The plastic seat breaks. You fall off the back, and you get steamrolled. You get run over. I think it did it break your arm and your ribs. Six busted ribs, yeah. 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 I was a bit skinnier after that, but... Um, it was probably the only time you got flat out at work, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, literally, so you were in, as a fast bowler, you were back playing for New South Wales, what, six to 12 months later? Oh, that was in the August of uh, 98, the accident happened. Yeah, but... Um, Can you just yeah. describe exactly the scenario, how, like, the, the steamroller literally rolled back onto your... Yeah, so it, I wasn't actually working as a sparky. So okay. I had to do, um, you know, uh, shift work sparky on the council. So uh, that was yeah. that didn't suit. <laughs> yeah. So, so they got me used to public works and services, you know, you know, footpaths and that sort of stuff, just okay. to allow you to do some work. Plus, you know, cricket, obviously. And I was reversing uh, the roller off a trailer one day, and as I was going down the ramp, unfortunately the seat broke, and, wow. and of course uh, all the weights going backwards. So I went, you know, backwards with the roller. And uh, hit the hit the deck, and the roller kept on coming because there was no kill switch. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I sort of got myself out of the way as much as I could, and sort of went up onto my chest. And I could sort of feel knew it was sort of going out over my legs, so I swung me sort of my legs out of the way. And at the same time, one of my work colleagues was trying to drag me out of it as much as he could. And uh, luckily, it missed me me knee and me ankles, and sort of kept on going down into a parked car. So, uh, it was uh, how, heavy, how heavy was it roughly? Uh, it was uh, 1.2 ton. Yeah, so oh, it was enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I remember, I remember Gary, the supervisor, yelling at me, don't move, Cookie. I said, there's no chance of you moving. <laughs> <laughs> don't move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, it wasn't great timing. He's obviously coming into the next season and uh, the ribs, six busted ribs and obviously all the muscles and that sort of stuff, you know, weren't too flash. But I was back playing by the, the December, but unfortunately... You know, the, the stresses of bowling, sure. the ribs just started fracturing again. So, so, you, so um, do you think you were ever as, as good as you were prior to I that? I was never the same, yeah. So, but, um, but I'm alive, so that's the main thing. And, and uh, we uh, can sit back and laugh and about the story. Well, I'll tell you what, there's, there's one thing. Um, you talk about having good support from your teammates. I'll, I'll t- tell a story about Gilly here. We're playing at the MCG. It was Callowith Arana was batting for Sri Lanka. And I'm, and I'm at mid-off. And he hit a ball that hard out of the member stand. And I thought I had pretty good hands. Well, I missed my hands. It hit me straight in the head. <laughs> Gone me in the head. And I was sort of like, you see stars. And I turned around to run for the ball towards the boundary. And then my yellow pants broke. And I was trying to pet, pull my pants while I was running. And I slid early. And the ball stopped just before the boundary. And I finally got up again, picked it up with a big lump on my head, threw it back. And Gilly's on the ground crying with laughter. <laughs> Great support from your teammates. You got five for that day, didn't you? I think I did, yeah. Did. Yeah, the yeah. big lump on my head. But, um, big kookaburra stamp. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, maybe check out a previous one where I spoke to cricketer Ed Cowan and Guy Sebastian, all things music, cricket and sport. Gilly, I'll talk about um, uh, one of the, the key moments for you um, when you decided to, to walk. Um, and I, people have different opinions. I, I thought I took a lot of guts to do what you did. And, um, and I think cricket is better off for it. And, and one of the things I think now is that it's proven by having the, the third umpire that as yep. cricketers we made a lot of mistakes and what we thought was out wasn't necessarily out. Oh, yeah. Um, do you, how do you recall that sort of time and, and your decision why you did that? I, I think that I certainly didn't make a conscious decision. I didn't have an agenda item written down to I must at a World Cup semi make a big statement here and say everyone's, well, I, I've no drama with... I understand the nuances and intricacies of the game that, you know, accept the umpire's decision. Some will go your way, some won't. But I did, in the academy, uh, first, well, my year at the Creed Academy, uh, Rod Marsh, head coach, you know, we were all sort of threw in and around that system and playing against the ACT in, at Marnica Oval for the academy team and playing against, a, and you know, those typical second 11 teams were either made up of wily old blokes that have had a crack that are never going to get to first class level again but still enjoy a bit of competitiveness and are there to pass on a bit of experience to the other half of the team who are young like us whippers coming up so batting against a bloke bone leggies old fella that had been up in north uh, in Sydney playing grade cricket I went back cut massive edge given not out massive edge I don't know why but I'm standing there like and he got given not out and I stayed there and I went Jesus because it was Monica was flat and I knew there's runs to be out there anyway I got 100 got at the end of the day this bloke comes in the old fella and when I say oh he's probably 32 but for us at 17, 18 we thought what's he doing playing still but he came in he says congratulations mate well done youngs I said oh mate I just felt so guilty like it was it was the first time I re- really remember just blatantly edging a ball and standing there and he says, well played. And I went, oh, mate, I'm so sorry about that. He goes, no, 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 it's all right. It clearly means more to you than it does to me. And I don't think he meant that as a barbed comment, but I took it as, Jesus, at what cost do we 
want to succeed or or get runs or whatever. So I didn't make again. I didn't in my mind go, oh, I'm never doing that again. But I, I think it stuck with me. But around that time of that World Cup, that was when the third umpires were coming into vogue about not not the DRS system as we have now, but it was pretty pretty amateur stuff, wasn't it? Oh, I'm not sure. Let's go upstairs. The technology wasn't there, so in our team, in the Australian team, against us, people were just standing their ground, not walking when they know they were caught, but if it was a close cat. So I just thought we as cricketers probably take a bit more ownership of it uh, and alleviate the umpires from a few decisions if you know that. Yeah, so that's the way it all played out. But. And good on for that. And look, Cookie used to walk too, but it, that's because his middle pole was fucking knocked out. Did you enjoy batting Cookie? I did. I didn't get much opportunity though. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, oh, they ran out of partners or uh, the middle stump went polling out. <laughs> yeah. And um, do you ever think you hit a ball on the offside? <laughs> Just to the just to the slips. <laughs> did you did you aspire? Did you ever sit there and think, "Geez, I want to work at my batting and go up, promote it up the order"? Or nah, just love bowling too well, much. Well, I always threw my hat in the ring, but no one ever took it. No yeah. one. <laughs> there was one game there. The Blues were playing the Vicks, actually the MCG, and uh, and uh, it was Anthony Stewart myself. Uh, I think he was nine and I was ten. I mean, I put it on about fifty or sixty for the. Uh... And we, the boys, the boys in the change, and we had a bet on half a run on you for the most runs and half a run Anthony Stewart. And uh, I think you got you got the chocolates, didn't you? Yeah, there wasn't too many singles. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and cooking now, you've um, I mentioned at the start, but you've um, you've got a, a bit of land down the Mornington Peninsula, and you're growing yeah. your own grapes. Talk us through that, mate. Yeah, uh, lucky enough, there's you know twelve acres left of the original farm, and. Um, my mum and dad had passed, obviously, but uh, as siblings, we all wanted to, you know, obviously keep the property and have a bit of fun with it. And I've always been keen on the on agriculture and particularly the the wine game. Fantastic. So uh, we planted an acre of vines there four years ago, a bit of Pinot Noir and also Shiraz. So um, we're in our fourth year. So uh, where where is it on the peninsula? Uh, the northern end, so which is Hastings. Yeah, so. Um, uh, it's a nice property, yeah. It's all north-facing, you know, so we get a good aspect and that sort of stuff, you know. And so. what's the label called, Cookie? Uh, we're working on that, yeah. But um, uh, Woodley Vineyard's the name of the property. Okay. So, um, so Pinot R and Shiraz. So uh, Pinot is the main variety, you know, down there. And then uh, because of where we're located, we could, you know, grow Shiraz. Yeah, otherwise, in the in the hinterland or the hills in Red Hill, it's not a bit tough. Well, we're at District Brasserie here today. I know um, Sam's got some cracking wines. You, you like your red wine, don't you, Gilly? Oh, I'm always happy to give one a try, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Be rude not to. Um, Gilly, uh, one story I just want to probably finish with, but um, I remember New South Wales, the year we won the Shield, 93-94, mm. we were losing, and it was pretty much when the test players went away, it was left with the, the leftovers that we were. Yeah. And um, yeah. you had this little Scooby-Doo figurine <laughs> that you... For some reason, you brought in. You said, "Little keyring, yeah. little keyring." You said, "Scooby's going to bring us good luck." And you used to rub Scooby's head before we went out in the field, and we won that match. So then Scooby came back for the next game. We won that match. We won seven games in a row, and we won the shield. And I remember we went on the pub crawl down George Street, and Scooby came with us. And we're, we'd left one pub, and Gilly's going, "Where's Scooby? Go, we lost Scooby." And we went running back in, looking for the, for, for the. And you're saying to the guy. Where's that little dog? Where's Scooby-Doo? Where's Scooby-Doo? Is that you, Scooby-Doo? Scooby's are you? <laughs> and then we were asking for a little dog. Anyone seen a little dog? And yeah. they thought we were pretty hammered. So yeah, we would have been by that stage too. But yeah, that was uh, he was a good luck charm, wasn't it? We got on a roll that year. 
Well, I just want to say, um, I want to pre- say thanks for you both coming on the show. Um, we're going to enjoy some really good food here now at uh, District Brasserie. Um, you both had fantastic careers. You're both really good mates. And uh, happy birthday once again, Cookie. Yeah. And Gilly, keep up the good work, mate. The commentary's been outstanding. It's been good fun. It wouldn't have been easy talking about what was a one-way series, I thought. Um, but I thought yeah. you done a really, really good job, mate. So keep up the good oh, work. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, Great to see us. We're going to have an O'Brien beer now and break some bread. Cheers, boys. Thanks, mate. Tremendous. Cheers. That's it for Lunch With Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Adam Gilchrist and Simon Cook. Thanks to our sponsors, Main Hair Care and O'Brien Beer. And thanks to the restaurant here at District Brasserie. And thanks to Sam for hosting a fantastic lunch. Make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're passionate, leave a review. Our official Lunch With Lee photography was done by Felicity Kelly. You can find her out on Instagram, Felicity Kelly Portraits. And big thank you once again to our producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back next time, probably at District Brasserie here, for another fantastic lunch with some more legends. Talk about sport, music and business on another episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then. (laughs) 